0: Welcome to We Don't Give a Shift Podcast. This is Jimmy, Mark, and Brian. And today, this is our Halloween episode. Everything Halloween. First of all, do you guys believe in ghosts?
1: Oh, man. Dude. Okay, let's get weird for a minute. Okay. <laughs> not, not in a fun way.
0: Yeah, it was. It's just, you know, it, it's so, nothing personal. Some people do. Some uh, people don't.
1: Man, I don't know. I, like, my rational brain wants to say no. But I can tell you, I have a ghost story. When I was a child... At my great-grandparents' house, uh, just off of the coast, Texas coast, uh, near Galveston, Texas. The storm in 1900 devastated the Texas coast, mainly Galveston Island. And what you had was uh, the old graves and uh, the caskets were made of wood. And when everything flooded, the wooden caskets floated up. Well, the people at the time couldn't afford to rebury all of the corpses. So they ferried them from the island to the mainland and dug mass graves to rebury the corpses of not only the people who died during the storm but also the ones that rose up through the earth and you know the castings that floated up now this was done in a local community what became the township of Hitchcock Texas and that's where we lived and i have seen and i don't know if it's my mind playing tricks with me as a child but some really strange things At my grandparents' house, my great-grandmother was an artist, and she painted beautiful paintings. And she had a painting of this uh, Christopher Columbus-style ship on the ocean with seagulls flying on it. And it was just a beautiful painting, and it hung up in the guest room. And as a child, I remember we'd go and stay the nights. My cousins and I would stay the nights at my grandparents' house. And I remember waking up one night, and maybe I was dreaming, but... That beautiful painting of the picturesque ship sailing in the ocean was now a tattered ghost ship with dark skies, no more birds flying about, and little skeleton crew of people manning the ship. And it horrified me as a child. <laughs> just absolute terrified me. And then I remember my cousins and saying that we saw things like at night in the crawl spaces underneath the house because of the old pier and beam houses and just eerie, eerie, strange things occurring. So, do I believe in ghosts? I really don't know. Do I believe that I saw some weird stuff and I believe what I saw? Yes. But I don't know if it was my mind playing tricks on me or if it was actual ghosts. So, there's my, my response, Jim.
0: Mark, do you believe in ghosts?
2: Uh, I, don't, I don't really, I can't really say yes or no. I mean, if you believe in one thing, you have to believe in another. So, if you believe in heaven, you got to have hell. If you don't believe in hell, that there is a hell, then you're not really following the Bible, you know, like that. So, do you, if you believe in hell, then you got to believe in all the things that could possibly go with it. A ghost don't have to be evil. I mean, a ghost could be maybe an angel. You see an angel, you think it's a ghost. You no. see a an evil thing and think it's a ghost. Everything on ghosts is is in movies and stuff that shows them certain ways and being certain things, but. Is it just an entity coming there and showing up? Is it in your subconscious? And I believe your subconscious has a lot of power and has a lot of things to do with how you are and how things work out and what you might see or might not. In your dreams, you might... Deja vu is... A, what is that? I mean, you know... So, uh, do I believe in ghosts? I don't know, Jim. I don't know what to say to that. No. Jimmy, do you?
0: Absolutely. No. I've Tell had story. a couple instances that... I, I would say... I was skeptic to whether it goes, Most of the stuff you see online is obviously fake that people try to play off. But I had an instance, and uh, you know a couple of the people involved. So, I used to work at a power plant down in Gregory, Texas. Mm. So, you guys have all heard Vic and Trent talk about Gregory, the old power plant. Oh, yeah. So, I worked down there, and there was a guy there by the name of Dave Kellogg. And he was from the Kellogg cereal family. And... There was this really horrible outage. (laughs) It was supposed to be 30 days. It lasted 45 days. And what happened is they pulled apart one of the gas turbines and they found a chunk of metal missing out of one of the blades. But there was no other. And so they pulled the whole rotor out. They looked at it. There was no damage anywhere else. So and this chunk of uh, this chunk of metal was, say, a half inch square that came out of one of the blades. And went completely through the gas turbine, but didn't hit any other blades. So they pulled it out, and they're like, "Okay, it must have got stuck in the uh, nozzles, because you know it goes." what happens is you have an impulse blade, and then the uh, the gas gets goes through a nozzle, which redirects it, so it hits another nozzle or another blade. So they figured how to get stuck in there, and they did a scope down there, and they could not find it. So they went to the next stage. They scoped it. They could not find it. So they went ahead and they pulled the entire gas turbine or the entire rotating assembly out and nobody could find the rest of the metal, right? How did this happen? How did this make it all the way through the gas turbine and not destroy it? It, sh- it should have crashed the turbine. And they're like, well, what do you guys want to do? And we could not get a hold of management. They all took vacation. <laughs> and so it was a horrible thing. You know, there was a whole lot. That's why I hate working for smaller power plants that are run by investment companies, They actually had to fly the banker out that owned the company or that was the liaison for the uh, banking syndicate that owned the uh, power plant and track these guys down to make a decision. And finally, PMI that was doing it, they just – Took the same amount of metal out on the uh, on the opposite side so it'd stay balanced and start buttoning it back together. They're like, "Sorry, we got to go to another power plant. No, we got things going on. You guys can't make a decision because your tire management staff went on vacation. That's your problem, not ours. We're buttoning it back up and we're getting out of here." So we started putting it back together. Well, the company decided to give us bonuses to. The people who stayed throughout the whole outage and worked it and didn't take vacation and split and made the decision. And that really changed the rift because this went along uh, shift lines. Because if you don't if you ever been in a power plant, this shift will hate this shift. And you'll have two shifts that re- regularly work together and two shifts that regularly work together. And they hardly have any interaction okay. with yeah. the other shifts. And so there was this huge divide. Dave Kellogg happened to be on the opposite shift. And they were openly bragging that they screwed us. Uh, whatever bonus was coming for this you know spent sending you know emails and everything about how they you know and they they'd done this every hour and they're able to do this because they were friends with the management staff you no know, drinking beer but you know they all would drink they all knew each other they'd come from different power or other areas together and so there was this divide and i didn't care i i got called up to uh florida power and light there and mesquite texas or 40 Texas is what the thing was. And I'd already I was already already got another job. I'm thinking about something else. I could care less. Well, they come out and they hand out bonus. Well, the bonuses were 15 grand. So now there was a lot of bad blood. You know, before it had always been a hat, something that so nobody cared. Now that it was money, it was on. I already like said I already had another job, so I was like, oh, whatever, I'm out. But HR was called, one person quit and lawyered up and immediately sued the company. So it was, you know, everybody was walking on eggshells. And Dave Kellogg had already had a a file, maybe several inches thick, of having HR called on him. So he he's pretty sure he's going to get fired. He was just sick about it, and he told me, you know, hey, you know, I'm I'm sorry, I effed you. You know, I I did. If I would have known it was going to be money, I would not have done this." And I was like, "Whatever, dude, I'm out." You know, granted, I, I don't get me wrong, I was pissed, but I was just like, "Whatever, I, I've got another job. I could care less. I'm out of here." So I do my exit interview. Everything goes on. Seems like everything's normal. And I've got night shift at the new power plant. I've been gone for a couple of weeks. I'm taking a shower. And next thing I know, Dave Kellogg's is standing right next to me. And he said, I'm sorry I effed you. And I instantly went into rage. I mean, the only time I'd ever been that angry before was when somebody took a shot with a 30 out six at me and my brothers out playing in the woods somewhere. I mean, I would, if somebody would, I would have killed them. And before I could say F you, and because I guess my immediate, you know, fight or flight, gone. You know, there was a physical person standing there. And before I could say F you, they were gone. And I went straight from rage to back to normal, just that fast. And I was like, what in the world just happened? What was this? I, I'm just like, this is such a weird. Ghost stage? Yeah. And I was just like, what a weird thing. So I go to work. And two days later, I'm, I'm still trying to tr- figure this out. I'm going to work. And my cell phone keeps blowing up. But I'm driving to work. It's an 11-minute drive from Mesquite to Forney. Not a big deal. So they can wait till whatever I get to the power plant. And it's going off. I get in the power plant, park my truck, look at my phone. I have four missed calls in that 11 minutes. And two voicemails and the two voicemails were from Vic and Trent and both of them let me know, Hey, Dave Kellogg died two days ago and they just found out. <laughs> so, and I'm like, what? Two days ago, whenever I saw him physically standing in my shower to, you know, just being gone, didn't know what it was, but yeah, that, that, that's, you know, really unnerved me. I was like, I, just as I'm looking at you, he was there and he told me, Hey, sorry, after you. And as quickly as that, he was gone. Within a second, you know, within a nanosecond. And then two days later to find out he had passed away. Because he didn't show up for work. And so everybody thought, well, hey, this guy's going through a lot. He's probably fired. He knows it because, you know, HR is on him every day. You know, it's not like him to, you know, at least he would call in. But everybody's like, okay, he took a day off. The second day, he doesn't show up. And everybody's like, okay, that's kind of weird. Something's wrong. But they didn't do anything. The third day, they said, okay, Let's get do a welfare check. And it was two people. It was Barbara, the secretary, and uh, I think it was oh, what was his name? It started with a B. I think it was Brian. But they they drove out to his house. They knew where he was at. They looked through his window and we found a window that was open, went inside. And unfortunately, they, they found him passed away in the bathroom where I had seen him. Wow. So I didn't believe in ghosts till this. But for some reason, he just wanted to let me know one last time that, hey, he was sorry that he effed me. And uh, so it's something like that is kind of how, because I'm from corporate or from Gregory to Mesquite is about eight or 900 miles away. But for some reason, about the time he died, he let me know. So. Because of that, I absolutely believe in ghosts.
1: You know, and Mark made an interesting point. If you're a person of faith and you, you want to believe in one aspect of it, then that does leave a whole realm of supernatural or, you know, it doesn't dismiss that. You can't disprove it. And I don't know if you can disprove it with any scientific evidence also. So this is one of those deals where these experiences that we have, like... Looking back as a child, I, I don't know if what I saw or you know was a figment of my imagination or if it was something of my subconscious manifesting these these events that occurred. A lot of people swear by it and say that they have seen these things and that this most definitely is something supernatural. You know, uh, another funny thing is I just saw in the news that they had unearthed a skeleton. Uh, somewhere in Eastern Europe, but it was uh, they had a sickle over the. Oh neck.
0: yeah, the vampire. Yeah, the movie, vampire yeah. story,
1: where the and the the the, the, the uh, skeleton had the elongated teeth, and so you know, man, that just is it our? Why do we have this subconscious fear of these types of things if no. there is nothing behind it?
2: Oh. it was in the movies, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but but before, before movies, movies though, yeah, yeah. this
1: is yeah. like throughout human history. So but, it's really weird.
2: Before movies, you had plays and stuff like that, and yeah, acting and all and that. Stories. But, so, what's your fondest memories? Your happy memories of Halloween? of
1: Halloween? Oh man, I remember Halloween. You know, Halloween was unique. I we got to do Halloween in my family just when we were really young, and then my dad. My dad wasn't a fan of the Halloween thing. I think being in law enforcement and seeing all the kind of you know kooky and then unruly stuff that went on, so he put a stop to it. But I remember. My cousins and I uh, get to dress up and go trick-or-treating. This was back in the mid-'80s, and how much fun we used to have. And You know, there were these things. Do you guys remember they used to put them in the oven? They were little, uh, like, stickers, and you baked them, and then they turned to action figures. Mm. You color them. They are like, on a piece of plastic, and you'd sit down and color them, and then you'd bake them, and they'd they'd shrink. But they would kind of uh, sturdy up. It was a little And, man, we would do that and make homemade caramel corn and popcorn balls. Yeah. Halloween used to be a lot of fun. I enjoyed it.
0: Jim? Yeah, I, as a kid, I grew up in a, a little town called Buffalo Gap. And the whole city got into Halloween. Uh, there were people that even would say, hey... You can TP this tree. <laughs> <laughs> you know, designated the, fun. Yeah, film. this this is the designated tree for everybody to TP. Bring it on out. We don't care. So long as it's done, you know, because uh, they knew, knew it was going to happen. But if you just gave them a tree, you could TP this tree. And the older kids would show us, oh, no, you got to take the toilet paper. You got to roll out a long string before you throw it. Otherwise, you won't get a good. Mm-hmm. And so as the older kids teach us, oh, this is how you throw TP to TP a tree and, Stuff of that sort. The cops knew about it. They would just sit there and make sure nobody got too rambunctious. And then, you know, at, at the end of the, the next day, the whole community got together and they'd take you down uh, the tree. We had haunted houses. Uh, I think it was Jennifer that always had the Halloween party. Her parents would dress up. You know, the, the her dad had a big old wolfman mask. And we had just party bobbing apples. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. back uh,
1: more.
2: I was a young kid in the 60s, so yeah, it was a blast. I mean, we went from house to house. Usually you stayed in your own neighborhood area, mm-hmm. and everybody got candy and just had a good time, you, you know, walking with friends, and you, know, you knew all the people. Who was in, I mean, the town was only like 8,000, or maybe even less than that at that time, but... But yeah, it was a very uh, fun time, and then things started changing, and you heard of people getting sick over candy or something happened to it or popcorn balls with razors and apples with razors and all that stuff, which didn't happen until, like, 70s and maybe even later than that. But uh, that came from usually bigger cities, but a lot of it could have been hearsay, but then it changed now, and you don't have anything like that. How many kids come to anybody's house in the neighborhood? Uh, it changed a lot. You knew which houses not to go to, not because they were mean or anything. You kind of stayed away from some of the really elderly people because they couldn't afford you know, to have candy and stuff. I mean, they were on a fixed income. So, you know, you let that slide, and then you get some of the kids in the neighborhood that egged houses, egg cars. Well, they don't understand that an egg on a car. If it's left there, it eats the paint off. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's things in the same way with the house that can... Like a lot of destruction. Of course TPN some of the kids would do, but nobody would clean it up and it made a hell of a mess for, you know for the homeowner. But that was usually in the 70s. things started changing more and more. Now you got trick or trunk or something like that or you the trunk of a car. We just throw a kid in the back, shut the door, and take off with it. I mean, It's so weird anymore. I just don't understand it.
0: So, so yeah, I, I think that's called kidnapping. <laughs> that's a, that's kidnapping.
2: Well, you know what? In the state of Illinois, kidnapping next year is just going to be—you just get a not a certificate, but a slap on the similar, wrist. You just get a slap on the wrist <laughs> and, a, and a little fine. Uh, it's uh, not going to be a felony anymore in the state of Illinois. So.
0: You know. I remember when that started happening. When, because I remember my parents all of a sudden wanted to check on my candy, and I was watching a documentary on who ruined Halloween for people. And it started off with this guy. They went, they went, uh, went trick or treating. Kids came back, ate some candy, and it poisoned both kids and killed them. And so the whole play, everybody was in the uproar. How could you do this to children? Because you know it ruined the holiday for a lot of people. Well, the police investigating come to find out. No, there was no poison in the candy. The father poisoned his children and blamed it on the candy. And this started, and this happened several times where one of the parents killed the children and blamed it on the candy. And that's what started the whole poison in the candy. But you put it out there and people believe it and some sicko is going to try it. And that's why, because of these, because they put that in there. Hey, the poison, the candy so you can get little children and people now are really doing it. And so you have to really, yeah, you have to check your candy and make sure because of these idiots who wanted to kill their own children for whatever reason.
1: It's crazy. Well, on this one, I want to say it's been shifted, but uh, I have a request since this is our Halloween episode. The three of us are working night shift. We now know that uh, we got at least twenty-five downloads. So if you're listening to the podcast, guys, give us your best Halloween story—something entertaining—in the comments. And again, you can download on Spotify, iTunes, yeah,
2: just or any of the podcasts we've done so far. If you got some viewpoints, or you just don't like us, or you want to say something, you know, to me, go for it. Yeah, I'll find you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This is your opportunity. Uh, Give us a little feedback. Let us know what you think.
0: Yep, so this topic has been shifted?
1: Been shifted, Halloween.
0: All right, thank you all for joining us, and goodbye.